As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Most of the time when investors get into trouble, it's because of one of two things. It's either poor management or poor structure of how they're structuring the deal and not creating a margin of safety for themselves. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you. And this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And two... Are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal best ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from the bottom line, and they want to help you reduce your loan payment to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to tradition, the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way. And it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all of the interest up front versus upon distributions. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The documents at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Doug Faith, how you doing, Doug? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad you're here. A little bit about Doug. He's the co-founder of Legacy Capital, which is a consulting and private funding company to other real estate operators. He is a serial award-winning entrepreneur and investor, 
and he has accomplishments recognized by the UN and the White House. His development projects include low-income housing, student housing, mixed-use projects, and multifamily apartments based in Philly. You can say hi to him at his website, LegacyCapitalPA.com, which is also in the show notes. So with that being said, Doug, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and which accomplishment was recognized by the UN and the White House. Yes, I'll start with the last part. So the accomplishment, I received an entrepreneurship award at the White House and the UN, and that was for my real estate investment company. So that was certainly pretty cool. I had my two minutes of fame, got to speak at the White House, and you know, it was published on the White House website and whatnot. So that was a pretty cool event. And in terms of my background, as you said, I started on the investment and development side of things. I went from low income to student housing to multifamily. And then really about five years ago, I started to pivot sort of my role in the companies and, and made some changes that freed up my time and was really a uh, pivotal point for me because that freed up my time to start Legacy Capital, which is a private funding company where through that we get to fund experienced investors and developers that are really looking to grow and scale their businesses. And one of the fun opportunities that have come out of that is, look, certainly in that business, we provide capital to our borrowers. But we also offer really consulting and, and really look to help them draw a distinction between doing deals and building businesses. So whether our borrowers are flippers or whether they're buy and hold people, really, how do we help them in addition to the capital we lend them? How do we actually help them build solid business and businesses that actually have enterprise value? And so sort of through doing that in our core business, it's led to other opportunities where we've been able to make other investments in other real estate operating companies. So it's been a lot of fun. That's interesting. I want to unpack all that because there's a lot of different questions I have on your current business with Legacy Capital. I do want just one follow-up question on the UN and the White House. Why specifically did they award you an entrepreneurship award with your company? You know, that's a good question. One, you had to be nominated and then there were certain qualifications or criteria, I guess, that you had to meet. Certainly part of that was impact in terms of not only on the financial side, but also on the social side. And the tagline for for my company that received that award was make money, make a difference. And I think that's something for me in all of my ventures that I look to do. Certainly we are for profit. We want to make money, but also how can we make a difference? How can we make an impact? Whether it's the borrowers we're lending money to, whether it's the communities that we're investing in, we want to do good in addition to making money. And that's a perfect segue into what you're doing now and the unique approach that you're taking because there's a whole lot of private money lenders or hard money lenders out there. But this is the first time I've heard someone talk about helping the person receiving the funds build their business and then perhaps even do some joint ventures with that group, lender and borrower. So I guess the first question is, How do you structure it from a team standpoint after you lend money to someone so that you're also helping them build their business? We look at a real estate business as a triangle. And what are the three pieces that keep that humming? One is deal flow. Another is capital. And the third is management, right? Management of that business, whether you're rehabbing, renting, whatever the case may be. So primarily they're coming to us for capital. A lot of times, especially even experienced investors that are looking to grow and scale, they think that their issue is they need more capital. And oftentimes what they don't realize is 
yes, they may need more capital, but at some point they're going to reach capacity management wise where they're going to be at their bandwidth. Maybe they need to hire more people, bring on more people. And do they have enough of deal flow now to have more capital to be able to take down all these projects? And so within deal flow, capital and management, we go a lot deeper in those areas, but just kind of high level. Those are high level things that we talk about with them to really understand what their business is, where they're looking to go, and try to identify what are some of the constraints aside from capital. But if capital is no issue, what are some of the other constraints that they're going to bump into so that we can sort of get those out on the table now? So when we're talking to them about the one-year plan, the three-year plan, we can take those things into account and start to keep those in mind to try to solve for those sort of before they arrive. Does that make sense? It does. You mentioned earlier that you fund experienced developers and investors. So wouldn't an experienced developer and investor already have a one-year and a three-year plan? No. You'd be surprised. Um, They don't. Look at this. They may have, most of the time, no, they don't. Mm -hmm. Even times where if you come across one that does, and we dig a little deeper, one of the things that we are really interested in, in with our clients is not only the goals, but why. Great. You have a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, but so what? What is it all for? And I know it sounds surprising, but what we found is even with experienced investors and developers, a lot of the times they've either lost sight of why they're doing what they're doing, and they're not even clear on, on what that is. So being able to provide clarity on that for them, we found is of value to them. And then certainly when we start have that clarity, it's a lot easier for us to see the different ways that we can support them once they're clear on what they're looking to do. A lot of these guys and gals, they've had a lot of success building these businesses, but like the businesses sort of run them. They're so busy running the businesses that they're not taking the time to take a step back, have that plan, know what their why is, and be able to move forward powerfully. This is a more in-depth conversation than what's typical for a lender and a borrower. And let's pretend I'm a borrower or potential borrower, and I'm just looking to fund my flip. And I've called three, four other lenders. I'm simply looking for a reliable source of money at the most competitive rate as possible. And I'm kind of pressed for getting this funding done. Are people annoyed by having to go through the process of a one, three-year plan? Let's talk about the triangle. All of this makes sense. I'm completely with you, Doug, but I'm just wondering, man, I'm just looking to fund my deal. Why are you getting it all through my business? <laughs> no, Do you get look, that? It's a great point. It makes total sense what you're saying. And look, on that first conversation, are we going through all that stuff? Absolutely not. We're just going to talk very basic and just make the point that, look, Yes, you've got a specific deal on the table. At the end of the day, if you're just coming to us to fund one or two deals, we're not your guy. We don't want to waste your time. We're really looking to build a long-term relationship that can help you grow and scale and achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve. And look, there are some people, when I say that, that resonates with them. And those are the relationships that we want to take to the next step and see if there's a fit there. And then there are some other people that, like you said, they want competitive rates or they want the cheapest rate out there. And we're just upfront. We're not the cheapest. We're never going to be the cheapest. And if that's someone's number one concern, it's not going to be a fit. And it's helpful to be able to realize that in that first conversation rather than going down a path, spending time, looking at the deal, looking at them 
as borrowers and then it not being a fit. So we try to get that out on the table as much as possible in the first conversation just to see if mindset-wise it looks like there'll be a fit or not. How's this company staffed? The lending company? Yeah, Legacy Capital. Because that's the company we're talking about, right? Yep, yeah. exactly. We have four employees. And then we've got other vendors and 1099, but we have four people mm-hmm. on staff. What do they do, each of them? A little bit of everything. Right? <laughs> so originate loans, underwrite loans. We've got a client relations manager. And then sort of our full charge bookkeeper that handles all things financial. Okay. You've got someone who originates, who underwrites, who works with clients, and a bookkeeper. I'm going to put the bookkeeper aside of the originator, the underwriter, and the client relations person. Who goes through this strategy session and this ongoing, let's build this business together conversation with the client? That's really either myself or my partner, Jeff. It's one of the two of us that are having okay. these conversations. None of those four people that were mentioned? No, not yet. Okay, got it. So you and Jeff plus your four employees plus 1099 people. Yep. So that's really your and Jeff's focus is having those business plan conversations. And then you've got a team that helps on the execution of the actual loans that are being underwritten and originated. Right. Because at the end of the day, anytime for anyone, you always want to be looking at and asking the question, how do I provide the most value and where do I provide the most value? And those are the areas where we're able to provide the most value. Mm. When do you and Jeff come in and have that conversation with the customer? That's after that person has already spoken to sort of our client relations manager, just more really as a qualifying. So going back to sort of the conversation that you had asked as sort of role playing and I responded to, typically that's our client relations manager that's having that conversation just to see if they're the right fit. She's going to ask them a handful of questions just to understand what is their background in terms of experience, how many deals have they done, dig into a little bit their financials and, and what they're looking to do. And if there's a fit and it makes sense, then the next step would be for Jeff or I to have a conversation with them. And how do you measure your return on investment in terms of your time when you're having these conversations? Do you look at how many more deals they do or how long of a relationship you have with them, that sort of thing? Yeah, we look at it a few ways. Certainly one of those ways is client retention. Not only how many deals are we doing with them, but making sure that they keep coming back. And also, are we achieving their goals? So if they want to go from making up six deals a year to 12 deals a year or 20 to 40 or whatever it is, that those are tangible things that you can look at and say, once we get to the end of the year, how did we do? So we had, just as an example, right, we had one client that wanted to add 25 apartments to their portfolio in the next, I think it was two years. So with the year coming to an end now, they've already achieved that goal in one year, even quicker than they were initially looking to do. And they have other businesses and they're doing other things. But those are really some of the ways that we look to do it. Because again, going back to what I said before, at the end of the day, yes, it's about making money. But it's also about making a difference. The things that we as a company get most excited about is helping our clients win the games that they are playing. And it's one of our core values is playing a big game. I love this approach. It's a, such a smart approach that I've never heard anyone with this business 
take, and it makes a lot of sense. How involved are you with follow-up on goals? For example, you set up a one-year plan with a customer, and now it's month six. Do you have something in your calendar that follows up with them? and Or is it, okay, we set the plan now, they've got to go do it, and I'll hear from them when I hear from them? It's one of the things that we try to check in with them on a quarterly basis about. And we're actually right now building some technology to help us sort of manage that stuff automatically, as opposed to right now, it's a bit more manual or throw something in the calendar and follow up. And certainly now with the client relations person that I spoke about that uh, recently joined the team, she's been great. And those are some of the things that she's helping out with as well. Are you purchasing a software for that? There's a few different softwares that we use and that we're looking at, but Right now, we run a variety of our businesses through Podio. So it's really just editing and programming Podio for some of the follow-up stuff specifically for sort of the goals and the benchmarks. Mm. And then have you had a conversation with other people who do what you do, but in different markets, so not direct competition, and ask them what their client retention rate is and compared that to yours to see if you are achieving more results or better results than a group that is not? I have just through some other events or sort of masterminds that I'm a part of. I know other people that do this in other markets and our retention definitely is better. Um, I think that the key in the question for us is as we ourselves continue to grow and scale, being able to still deliver that same type of service and experience for our customers. And as long as we're able to do that, I don't think that that's going to change. Now, I've heard from a lot of people, especially in the market, oh, you know, you're going to need to lower your rates. It's so competitive. There's so many other people going out there. And so far, we haven't been able to do that. Who knows? Maybe at some point we will have to. But I think the reason for that is because of what we're able to deliver and the experience we're able to deliver. At the end of the day, if you think about it, It's actually a silly conversation, like what is your rate or what are you charging? If I can help you achieve everything that you say you want to achieve, all the other stuff is just details that doesn't really matter. Uh So again, going back to sort of context, but sorry, that was a long-winded answer to your question, but that's great. we have been able to have more attention than other people doing it in, in other markets that we've checked with. I love how you elaborate on that, especially towards the end, because you move the conversation away from fees as it should be, and you move it towards something higher level, and that's what they're looking to accomplish. That's what you ultimately delivering on. It's the same with any business or any service. It's not as much about the fee. It's what value you're getting from that exchange. And if the value exceeds what you pay, then that fee could be anything as long as it's less than what you pay and then depending on what your ROI that you want from it. Let's just talk about the triangle that you mentioned, the deal flow, capital, and management. You said real estate business, that you think of it as a triangle, deal flow, capital, and management. If someone comes to you and says, I'm in Boise, Idaho, and I need deal flow, and I'd love to work with you on capital, and I think I have the management covered, how do you help them come up with ways to get deal flow in Boise, Idaho? Right now, our focus and footprint, we're in Philadelphia, within a 100-mile radius of Philadelphia, and our focus is Pennsylvania, being Pennsylvania's lender. We have done loans for clients 
and neighboring states nearby. But yeah, if someone came to us, even if they had deal flow and wanted us to lend them money in Boise, Idaho, we're not going to be their, their guy. Okay. Then let's pretend that you're in Philly and someone is in Oil City, Pennsylvania, which is not anywhere close to Philadelphia. And they ask you, how do I get deal flow? Same thing. What do you say? And is what you're getting at, if someone's coming, call it maybe somewhere where we'll go, but not our core market and they yep. need deal flow, what would we say? Yeah, exactly. Before I'd answer that, I'd ask some questions to them. So what are your current sources for deals and check in with them? Why do they think they don't have enough deal flow? And oftentimes based on like, there isn't sort of an off the shelf answer for it. Based on what they say, there's probably usually maybe a couple suggestions or, or things that we can make, but the reality of it is if it's somewhere outside of our market and they don't have deal flow and if we don't have a presence or no other people in that market, there's not really much value we can add there. Whereas if it is sort of in our market or in Philly or in the surrounding areas, we can introduce them to wholesalers. Depending on where they're looking to do and what they're looking for, we can make recommendations to them, whether it's wholesalers, realtors, whatever the case may be, to try to help them increase their deal flow. I think the capital answer is pretty obvious because you all provide capital. So we'll skip to management. What about if they have a management issue, which I imagine a lot of them don't even think to talk about with you? Right. They don't. So usually the management issue comes up based on what their goals are. So again, if someone says, hey, I did 10 flips last year and I want to get to 12 next year. You probably don't even really need to check in for a management conversation because to do 10, they can probably do 12. If someone says, I want to go from 10 to 25, that's when you want to check in. Well, okay, with the current team you have right now, how many projects can you handle at once? If you're doing 10 right now, or if you did 10 last year, how many of those were going on at the same time? Probably two or three if they did 10, or somewhere between one and three if they did 10 for the year, depending on how quick they're exiting. So in order to do 25, maybe you've got to do, call it four to five deals at a time. Your current team, how many can you manage at a time? They'll say, oh, we can only do two to three. Okay, well, who do you need to hire? What do you need to bring on in order to do four to five at a time if that's going to get you to a 25 or whatever it is? So it's really just kind of digging in there. And a lot of times what's interesting too is like they understand these numbers in their head real quick, but they don't take the time to like break it down and clearly see what moving from 10 deals a year to 25 deals a year is going to mean for them from a management perspective and what they're going to bring on. And look, sometimes when we dig down into it, sometimes we're like, you know what? I actually don't want to go to that next level. There was one client I was talking to, they do about 30 deals a year. And we're talking about growing the business and whatnot. And he's like, look, if I do one more than 30, I need to bring on another person to handle that. If I'm doing 30 until I do about 35 deals, I'm not making any more money with that extra person that I'm bringing on. So again, which all goes back to the goals and what do they really want and why do they really want it? Bigger isn't always better. Although for us, we're able to provide the most value is for operators that are looking to grow and scale. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, if they're looking to just stay where they are, they've got whatever resources they need for that. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that we're just not going to be able to provide the most value for that. Based on your experience as a real estate entrepreneur, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Create a margin of safety when you structure your deals. I think you want to think about everything that can go wrong 
and make sure that a deal has buffer room so that if one, two, three of those things or a handful of those things go wrong, can you still make money or can you at least break even? I think most of the time when investors get into trouble, it's because of one of two things. It's either poor management or poor structure of how they're structuring the deal and not creating a margin of safety for themselves. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've read? Rich Dad Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done or participated in or been a part of? Oh, man. We just finished a really cool uh, warehouse conversion last year, which was a lot of fun and unique. What type of joint venture or partnership have you done in the past with your clients after going through the triangle process with them? We've done a couple. One, that client had a niche of acquiring properties at tax sale and has just done an amazing job with that. And so we ended up investing with him and helping him grow and and scale that business. And that has just gone phenomenally well and have really enjoyed that business so far. What's a mistake you've made in business? Thank goodness. Where to start? Um, <laughs> I think real estate-wise was, for me personally, on the investment and development side, we managed our portfolio in-house for about 10 years. And at the end of the day, that's not what I'm best at. It's not my unique ability. And I didn't realize the opportunity cost of that. And it wasn't until I actually ended up outsourcing that and restructuring the company that really freed up my time that allowed me to start a private lending company and do these other things and really put myself in roles where I could spend most of my time within my unique ability has made all the difference. So uh, the biggest mistake is just not figuring out what I'm best at and putting myself in those roles. Best ever way you'd like to give back? I love mentoring. Super passionate about, in particular, just financial education. So we donate money to financial education companies. And then just speaking about it, talking about it. I love empowering people from a financial standpoint. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? I think the best way would be check out the website, LegacyCapitalPA.com, or just shoot me an email, which is Doug, D-O-U-G, at LegacyCapitalPA.com. Doug, bravo on your approach. You don't have to have me tell you this. You already know it, but it's a really smart approach. And I'm impressed with how you all are structuring your relationships with your clients and how you're playing above the fray the blue ocean strategy and you have a business that is a hard money private lending company so that's not recreating the wheel but you've put a spin on it that builds long-term value relationships and has repeat customers and then helps others along the way 
really smart, and I'm grateful that we had you on the show. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show.